The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. The title of my message for you is Hearing the Voice of God. And we'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that would be great. But I want to start by making a statement. I am personally convinced that one of the most, if not the most important disciplines that you will ever develop in your Christian life is learning how to hear the voice of God. You absolutely must learn how to discern, how to hear his voice. His voice is the voice of love. His voice, his words, they're life. Remember what Peter say, said? He said, well, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. His voice, his words, they are joy. His words are love. Learning to hear his voice is the solution to a thousand of life's problems. And it is the key that unlocks a thousand doors in our lives as well. Now, some people, I understand, say that God doesn't speak anymore. Now, I think these people are absolutely ridiculous. You see, the Bible I read says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means if he spoke back then, then he must still be speaking today. If he healed back then, then he's still healing today. You see, God, he hasn't developed a bad case of laryngitis. He hasn't lost his voice. He still longs to speak to us. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep know my voice, and I know them. Think about what that verse is saying. Jesus is telling us there in John chapter 10 that one of the definitive marks that will distinguish us as one of his sheep is that we know the voice of our shepherd. Think of it like this. When my wife calls me, she doesn't have to say anymore after almost 20 years of marriage, hi, this is Jill. Why? Because I know the sound of her voice. And when I pick up the phone, even without looking at the caller ID, I can know whether or not she's even calling from her phone. That's my wife. Because I've been with her so long, I know what her voice sounds like. And the same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. The longer we walk with him, the more quickly we will learn how to discern the sound of his voice. But that raises another question. If God is speaking, then what is his voice like? How does God speak to us? And the answer to that question is, God speaks to us in all different forms and means and ways. Just, just think of the different forms of communication that we use when we're trying to communicate with one another. We communicate verbally. We communicate non-verbally. We communicate through text. We communicate through sign language. We communicate through body language. We have all different kinds of ways of communicating, and God's no different. The book of Hebrews says it like this. In times past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I love that he says, God spoke in various ways. And as he wrote that, I wonder if he gave himself a little chuckle, right? Because if you think about the different ways that God spoke throughout history, there is a, a varied context there. He spoke to Adam and Eve face to face. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. He spoke to Balaam through a donkey, which tells us if God can speak to you through a donkey, then he can speak through anything. To Joseph, he spoke through a dream. 
To the Magi, he he spoke through a star in the heavens. To the shepherds, he spoke through angels. And to Belteshazzar, he spoke through a disembodied hand writing a message on a wall. The point is, the list goes on and on. And God, he's just as creative with the means by which he communicates as he is with the vessels by which he communicates through. Now, as we seek to understand the different ways that God speaks to us, I want to just outline a few of those for us. And perhaps the most common way that God speaks to us today is through his word. Amen? God has written a book. And this book is unlike any other book that you have ever read or will ever read. And I'll tell you why. This book, according to Hebrews 4.12, is living and active. And so as you read it, it reads you. And it discerns the thoughts and the intents of your heart and of your mind. Have you ever had this experience where you're reading through the Bible, and then at some point, a a particular verse will seem to just lift off the page. And it's as though the Holy Spirit will highlight that verse in neon green with flashing lights all around it. And God is saying, this verse is not just a verse that was written thousands of years ago that pertains to somebody else's life. But this verse is for you. And it speaks to the situation you're dealing with in your day. Am I the only one? Anybody ever had that? Man, it's happened to me more times than I can count. But, but I want to share one story to highlight this with you to drive home the point. The first time I really remember this happening to me in a meaningful way was many, many years ago. And at the time, I was a college student at Miracosta College, community college just down the road in, in Cardiff. And uh, I was going about getting my degree and at the same time kind of wrestling with what God's will and plan was for my life. And one day, I happened to be reading through the book of 2 Timothy in my devotions. And I stumbled upon that verse that says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And once you know, when I read that verse, it stopped me in my tracks. I knew that I knew that I knew that God was speaking to me about my future through that particular verse. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks later, I found myself touring the Bible College campus um, up at Marietta Bible College. And while I was there, I just so happened to walk into the bookstore. And while in the bookstore, I just so happened to walk over to this rack of sweatshirts that they had lined up. And I just so happened to pull one off. And as I did, and I turned it around, wouldn't you know it, they had a verse printed on the back of that sweatshirt. It was the exact same verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. I almost dropped the sweatshirt right there. I walked right over to the counter. I said, why, why is this verse on the back of this sweatshirt? And the guy was just like, I, it's just the, the main theme that the Bible college has chosen for this year for our school. I was like, what? This is God. Now, you might re- hear a story like that and think, what's the big deal? It's just a couple of coincidences. But no way. There's no way you'll ever be able to convince me of that. I knew in that moment that God had spoken to me through his word. He would confirmed it through his word. And I decided right there in that Bible college bookstore that this is where God wanted me. I ended up dropping out of Miracosta. I enrolled at Murrieta. And the rest, as they say, is history. A verse from 2 Timothy altered the course of my life. That's what happens when God speaks to us. So the word of God, it's how he speaks. But it's not the only way that God speaks. There are a number of other ways that God speaks that are exciting and that you can grow in your understanding of. I'll I'll mention a few of them. God also speaks to us through dreams and visions. Have you ever had a dream that you thought might be 
from God or from heaven? It's probable that you have. In fact, did you know that one of the most common ways that God spoke to people in the word was through dreams? I have a hunch about why. I think it's the only time when he can get us to slow down enough to get a word in edgewise. And so he waits till we're asleep and then just deposits a dream. But that's one of the ways God will speak. He'll speak to you in your dreams. He'll also speak to you through open and closed doors. Have you ever felt led to do something, but, but this particular door that you tried to walk through, it just it wouldn't budge, and the handle wouldn't turn, and you just couldn't get through it? Sometimes that could be a word from the Lord. He's leading you in a different direction. And there are other doors that are opening, and that could be a word from the Lord for you. He also speaks through de- desires and divine promptings. Psalm, I think it's 34, verse 7, says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So God will he'll plant desires in your heart, and he'll speak to you through those promptings. Another common way that he speaks to us is, is through other people. I, I'm, I'm always shocked when the Lord's voice sounds exactly like my wife's voice. You know what I mean? Has God ever spoken to you through your spouse or perhaps a friend? It might be a podcast. It might be a sermon. It might be a complete stranger. God will speak through just about anyone. He'll even speak to you through your pain. What? Now, this one was weird, but it's true. God will use anything. He'll speak through pain. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said on that point. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So these are just a smattering, a few of the different ways that God speaks to us today. And sometimes he'll, he'll build and layer those different forms of communication. A couple of weeks ago, I had a dream about something. And in the dream, God gave me a verse. I wake up the next morning. I open my Bible app. And the verse of the day was the same verse that God had deposited in my dream the night before. The same day later in the afternoon, I have a friend come up. And he speaks that same verse over me. I mean, God will layer himself and repeat himself until we get it. But at this point, I'm wondering if anyone in here is still hesitant or doubtful. You're thinking. Well, if if God is speaking, like you say he is, in all of these different ways, like you suggest, then why don't more people hear his voice? And in response to that, I would say, I think that has a lot more to do with us than it has to do with him. You see, it's not that God has run out of things to say. It's that we've lost the ability to listen. They say that listening is an art form. It really is. And I think that many of us have forgotten how to truly listen. Have you ever had that experience where you're trying to have a conversation or you're trying to talk with someone, and midway through the conversation, you realize that this person you're talking to is completely checked out. They are no longer tracking with you. They are somewhere else. I'll ask it another way. Ladies, have you ever tried to have a conversation with your husband? Someone give me an amen on that. You try to talk, and what happens when you're trying to talk to this person and you realize they've checked out? Eventually, you just you give up, and we we stop trying to talk. Well, God is the same way. He's just waiting for someone to listen. Um, Helen Keller once said that there's none so blind as those who have eyes but can't see. But couldn't she just as easily have said there are none so deaf as those who have ears but choose not to listen? You see, the point is, God 
hasn't lost his desire to speak to us. He still longs to communicate with us. He's just waiting for listeners. And the good news in all of this is that there are things that we can do to better position ourselves to hear his voice, to tune in to what he's saying. It's a, it's a little bit like this. I was trying to think through a way that I could illustrate this. And I, I started thinking about the way that we used to listen to the radio. Now, I'm going back, and I'm dating myself here a little bit. This is pre-iTunes, pre-Spotify, pre-iPhones, anything like that. When you had those old school radios, the boom boxes that we used to carry on our shoulders. Remember those ones? Come on, where are my people at? And you had the radio. Right, and you have this little dial that you would tune, and it would it would dial you into a specific frequency so that you could hear the song that you wanted to listen to. And the idea is that, like right now in this room, there are all of these different messages and songs that are being played. There's rap, and there's reggae, and there's classical, and there's Christian, and there's talk radio, and there's political talk radio, and sports talk radio, and there's all this stuff that is being transmitted through different radio waves, but we've got to grab our antenna and tune it into the right frequency in order to dial in what we want to hear. I want to illustrate this, so I brought this little speaker here. It's small but mighty. This is an old school radio. It's kind of cool. So I'm going to turn it on, and we'll just start to, here, here we go, here we go. Give me a second. We're getting there. Yes. Oh, this is the jam. Jaira. Oh, I love it. Oh, let it breathe. Amen. Amen. Okay. I would love to listen to the rest of that song, but we don't have time. You get the point. What happened? We had to, we had to tune out the white noise and dial into the right frequency in order to hear the song. And we've got to learn to do that same thing with our spiritual antennas as it pertains to the voice of God. And that's what I think this story in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is going to help us do. There are five things that I want to point out to you from this story. But let's go ahead and begin by reading through it in its entirety. The, the heading of this chapter in my Bible is called, The Lord Calls Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. This is something that every parent in here has a lot of experience with. The kid keeps getting out of bed. Go back to bed. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
Then Samuel said, "Uh, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Don't hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. So this is God's word. It's a great story about hearing the voice of the Lord. And it's interesting to me that this story that's all about hearing God's voice begins with God's voice being rare. That's what verse 1 says. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were not many visions, not many dreams, not many words. And it was as though God had fallen silent or almost silent. Now, the word rare, we, we understand it to mean scarce, right? Not plentiful. But here's something I found out. It's interesting. The word rare, translated rare there, can also be translated as precious. Now, I think there's a connection between those two things. I think it's as though God is saying to us, when you fail to give honor to my word, when you treat my word as though it were an ordinary thing, then it will become rare or scarce. When you think, when you treat it as though it's not the precious gift from God or from heaven that it is, and you just treat it like it's ordinary, then it will become scarce in your life. But even though God's word had become rare, it's important to note that he hadn't stopped speaking altogether. There were still a few who were sensitive and who were listening. And Samuel was one of those people. So quickly, let's walk through five things that Samuel did, five things that we can learn from his example about how to better position ourselves to hear from the Lord. Number one, we learn from Samuel that God speaks to those who want to hear his voice. Now, this is an obvious one, right? But it still needs to be stated. When Samuel prays this prayer, and it was something that Eli gave to him, admittedly, but when he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, that was the spiritual equivalent of him taking his antenna and positioning it and turning the dial in his heart and positioning it in such a way that he was attentive and he was listening and he was giving God the green light to speak. And that's all that God needs. This is so important. You don't have to be holy. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. You don't have to be Billy Graham in order to hear the voice of God. You just have to be tuned in, and you just have to be available. And Samuel's a wonderful example of that. By the way, look at his prayer. It's it's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not flowery, flowery. It's not complicated. He doesn't even pray in King James English. It's just six words long. It says, speak, 
for your servant is listening. And that's all that it took. He prayed it, and God answered it. Through Isaiah the prophet, the Lord said something similar. He said, call to me, and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's Jeremiah, sorry, Jeremiah 33.3. How beautiful, though, is that invitation? God says, call to me, please. He's begging us to call out to him. Why? So that he can answer us and show us wonderful things and give us a response. So that's the first thing. Well, you've got to want to hear from the Lord. You've got to have an open and attentive heart. Second thing that we learn from Samuel is that if you want to hear from the Lord, then it's helpful to put yourself in places that have good reception. You know what I mean by that, right? Where is Samuel when he hears this word? He's in the temple serving under Eli. And I'm, I just, I'm, I'm taking that and running with it a little bit to say this, that there are certain places that tend or seem to have better spiritual reception than others. And certainly, the house of the Lord would qualify as one of those places. Um, you know how it is with our phones, right? We're always trying to find good reception. We'll even talk about it. Oh, man, how many bars do you have? I've got like three bars. How many? You've got four bars. And, and we'll talk about this from time to time. In our house in Colorado, we, we didn't have good reception. We had terrible reception. It was like a black hole for reception. So I called AT&T, and, and I told them about this. And you know what they did? They sent us out this little thing called a cell booster. And we hooked it up in our house. And wouldn't you know it, we got better reception instantly. And, and what they did with me by sending me that box is similar to what we can do in our own lives to improve our reception to the Lord's voice. If you want to stop dropping calls with God, then, then do what Samuel did and spend time in the house of the Lord. This is something that, that it was instilled within his mother even before he was born. He had been dedicated to the Lord. I love that. And she made a promise, God, if you give me a son, I'll, I'll give him to you all the days of his life, and he'll serve you. And so she literally brought him to the temple as a young boy and put him under the care of Eli, and that's where he was raised, in the house of the Lord, surrounded by the people of the Lord, being exposed to the things of the Lord. When he would wake up, he would open the doors of the temple and welcome people in as they had brought their offerings to offer his sacrifices before God. And in the process, he got to observe their worship. He got to hear their prayers. He was exposed to the word, and it had a huge impact on him. And I can't talk about that experience without thinking of my own upbringing, right? Because my dad's the pastor of this church. He started this church. And I can remember a long time ago now, I mean, I think it was 1984 that we started this church, and we didn't always have this big campus with all these amazing buildings and all these facilities. No, we were meeting in Wagenheim Junior High School. And I can remember playing hide and go seek with my sister running around and hiding behind the chairs before church and after church because my dad was always the last one there. And, and it was just where we were raised. It was how we were brought up. And because of that, I was continually exposed to the word of God, the people of God, the worship of God the prayers of God's people. And you have to believe it had an impact on me and what God has done with me. And so I say that by word of encouragement. For those of you who want to hear God's voice, and for those of you who are parents in particular, and you want your kids to know the voice of the Lord, then might I encourage you to bring them here to make this a part of your weekly rhythm, to be 
planted in the house of the Lord in order that you might flourish in the courts of your God. You see, there are places and things that you can do to boost your reception, but the inverse of that is also true. There are places that you can go. There are things that you can bring into your life that will squelch the voice of God and make it more difficult to hear his voice. There are things that you can do that will harden your hearing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think an obvious example of this is when we allow there to be unchecked sin in our lives. Whenever we do that, whenever we harbor unchecked sin, it always becomes harder to hear the, the Lord's voice. We start to become dull of hearing. There's this verse in James that puts it like this. James 1.21 says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and then receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Now, here's what's interesting about that verse. It says, get rid of the filthiness. Now, the word translated filth in that verse is actually a medical term that means wax in the ear. The word picture is powerful. Don't miss it. James is saying, you've got to dig out the wax in your ear so that you can receive the seed of the word that's able to save your soul. He's telling us that a buildup of sin will impact our ability to hear the Lord in the same way that a buildup of wax will impact our ability to hear in the physical world. That's why over and over and over again, the scriptures remind us and they say, today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't become dull of hearing. Respond. Do it today. Do it while the, the spirit is still speaking and you can still hear his voice. Another lesson that we learn from this story about hearing the voice of God, if you want to hear from the Lord, then you've got to turn down the competing noise. It's no coincidence that God chose to speak to Samuel in the stillness of night rather than in the busyness of the day. You know as well as I do that we live in a world that is crowded and cluttered with all kinds of noise. And I'm personally convinced that this is one of, if not the biggest reason, why more of us don't hear from the Lord regularly. We fill our worlds with so much noise. And it makes it difficult for God to get even a word in edgewise. There's this book that I came across. It's called One Square Inch of Silence, One Man's Search for Natural Silence in a Noisy World. It's written by a guy named Gordon Hempton. And over the past three decades, this guy, Gordon Hempton, has traveled around the globe three different times in an attempt to capture the raw and uninterrupted sounds of nature. It's something by his own admission that has become increasingly difficult to do, trying to capture just the sounds of nature without the noise of a plane flying by overhead or a four-wheel vehicle driving by or a boat coming through. He's, he, he's extensively researched the planet. And he's talked about how in 1983, when he did this, he found 21 places in Washington state with noise-free intervals that lasted at least 15 minutes in length. By 2007, that number had shrunk to just three. Today, Hempton claims that during the daytime, the average noise-free interval in the wilderness areas that he's been to has shrunk to less than five minutes. And that's out there in the middle of nature, in the middle of nowhere. We're talking about wilderness. 
What do you think that number is in our world? We're probably lucky if we get five seconds of silence and solitude. Again, the point is, our worlds are too noisy. And you might want to jot this down. I'm not sure where I found it. I'm not smart enough to come up with this, but I love it. One thing we learn from this story is that God speaks loudest when we're quietest. So we've got to learn how to carve out silence and solitude into our schedules that are too busy and into our minds that are too cluttered. There's a simple prescription for this. It's found in Psalm 46, verse 10. And there the Lord says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. We are so conditioned to do. We do, we do, we do. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And into the midst of our hectic and chaotic schedules, God says, just be. Be still. Lean into that silence and allow me to speak to you from that place. Of course, I realize that this is easier said than done, but I truly believe that it's worth the effort. You need to carve out a time and a place where you can meet with Jesus in silence and solitude. One of the things that we read about Jesus is that he often withdrew to lonely places. This was his habit. And if Jesus sought that out and needed it in his life, then who are we to think we can get by without it? Now, I'll tell you how I do this in my own life. I, I get up really early before my wife, before the kids, before anyone else. I get up early, and that's my time that I spend with the Lord, and, and I, I treasure that time. I mean, before the sun is even up, I make a nice warm cup of coffee, and I've got my coffee in my hand and my Bible in my lap, and I just sit and I receive from the Lord. You say, well, that doesn't work with my schedule. I have school or I have, I have obligations. I got to get the kids ready, whatever it is. That's fine. I'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule. I'm not saying you have to adopt my way. I'm saying you need to find your way, and you need to make it a priority. In fact, I would say it's so important that you should literally build this into your calendar my time with Jesus. I mean, think about it like this. If you were making an important meeting with someone in your business world, and you're like, well, I want to set up a meeting with you. And they say, well, we'll just meet whenever. And you say, well, where do you want to meet? No, we'll, we'll just meet wherever. That meeting is unlikely to ever happen, except by chance. So shouldn't we, if this is the most important meeting in our day, shouldn't we take the time to really prioritize it in that way? You've got to set it up. A fourth lesson that we learn from this story about hearing the voice of God is this. If you want God to continue to speak to you, do what he says, even if what he tells you to do isn't easy or convenient. You see, the Lord gave Samuel a difficult message to convey to Eli. It was a message of, judgment that was about to fall on the house of Eli. And, and Samuel was reluctant. He was reticent to pass that message on. In fact, Eli kind of had to drag it out of him a little bit. But once he did, praise God that Samuel did deliver the message. And I love how the text tells us in verse 18 that Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And so if we want to hear from the Lord, then we have to do what he says. 
God speaks to people who not only listen, but also obey. You can't just be a hearer of the word and so deceive yourself. Let's be doers of the word like James talks about. Now, there's a flip side to that, isn't there? If you don't do what God tells you to do, then you shouldn't expect him to keep talking to you. And we see this play out in the life of Eli. You see, God had been speaking to Eli. And and if you think about it, in one sense, we would wonder, why didn't God go directly to Eli with this message? After all, it's about him. So why does God go to Samuel to bring the message then to Eli? I'll tell you why. Eli had already received a number of messages from the Lord regarding a particular subject. We can read about it in verse 13. God says, for I told him that I was going to judge his family because of the sin he knew about regarding his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They were horrible kids. In fact, the Bible describes them in 1 Samuel 2.12 as scoundrels. (laughs) If the Bible calls you a scoundrel, you're jacked up. So, So this is his kids, and they were... They were ripping off the people, and they were causing them to not want to sacrifice, and they were sleeping with women in the temple. It was just a, it was a hot mess of a situation. And the people no longer wanted to come to the temple because of them, and God kept tapping Eli on the shoulder. You got to deal with your boys. You got to talk to them. And he kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And eventually, God stopped talking to him. You see, God will never tell you the next thing until you go back and do the last thing. And the reason that some of you haven't heard from the Lord in a very, very long time is because you still haven't done the last thing that he told you about, whether it was last week or last month or last year. And God's saying, I'm not going to address you about other issues until you deal with this issue. So if you want God to speak to you, then you got to do what he says. And the last point is this, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this, as we look at what it takes to hear from the Lord, hearing the voice of the Lord. Remember, give yourself grace, learning to hear the voice of the Lord, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It took Samuel four tries before he recognized God's voice. And I'm afraid in my own life, it's it's often, the number is often much higher than four. Can we just be honest here? I feel like sometimes God has to take a two by four and smash me across the face with it before I'm like, Oh, you're, you're, you're speaking to me here. I get it, Lord. I caught it. But we need to have grace with ourselves. Because why? God had grace with Samuel. And he, he didn't berate him, but he just patiently worked with him until he received the message. And he does the same thing with us. You know, in, in some ways, learning to hear and understand the voice of the Lord is a lot like learning to speak a new language. I'm working on learning Spanish, but I'm thinking of babies in this example. They say that it takes until a baby is about nine months old on average before they learn their first word. By that time, they've been exposed to the same words thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And by nine months, they get mama or dada. By their first first birthday, a couple of months later, on average, they typically know or can discern about five words maybe a dozen if they're really smart. But then what happens? By the age of six, this explosion of understanding and comprehension takes place. A six-year-old can understand, on average, about 20,000 words. A 12-year-old has a vocabulary that consists of about 50,000 words, and it just goes on from there. The point is, it's going to take time. 
Learning how to hear the voice of God isn't going to happen overnight. It might seem mysterious and difficult, but if you stick with it, if you put yourself in positions where you have good reception, if you tune into the right frequency, if you respond quickly with obedience when God speaks, then I promise you, with ever-increasing regularity, you're going to begin to hear God speak. He wants to speak to you. He has a word for you. And my prayer is that some of you would hear his voice tonight for the very first time. I pray that God's word would come alive to you tonight, that he would knock on the door of your heart, that you would have dreams and visions. You would begin to see his fingerprints all over the story of your life, that you wouldn't go more than five minutes without hearing him, conversing with him, responding to him. This is the way that God has designed us to live. Jesus said it like this, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we live off of God's word. We need God's word. You have to make it a priority in your life. And when you do, he'll show up. Call to me, he says, and I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Let's go ahead and pray. Thanks, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word. I just want to give a moment of silence here. And I know that typically we, we tend to bristle at the silence, especially in church contexts, It feels a bit awkward. We think, what's happening here? But I just want to encourage you. I want to ask that you would lean into this moment. I want to create a space right here for God to speak into your life. And I believe by faith that God is going to address something with you. He's going to speak over you. It might be at a word of exhortation. It might be a word of promise. It might be a word of love. It might be a word. I don't know. I, I just want to give God space. So let's just let's just lean into this. Thank you, God, that you're the God who speaks. You are the logos. You are the revealed word. You're the final word, Jesus. We give you permission to interrupt our regularly scheduled programs at any time to speak to our hearts. We want to tune in. We want to drown out the competing noise. And we want to tune in to what it is that you're saying. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.